0: Welcome back to the show. Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson, as always. And we're here to walk you through Cincinnati week. Oklahoma looking to improve to 4-0 for the first time since all the way back in 2021. Grant, do you remember what you were doing in 2021? Oh, man. Oh, I boy. Mean, like
1: I, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long
0: ago. Yeah, obviously, that was only two seasons ago. Uh, but we've... Pointed out many a times, and so has a lot of OU fans, so have a lot of OU fans. That 2021 season, despite the, what, 11-2 and record, very frustrating, very weird, uh, but we'll take 11-2 and compared to 6-7 and seven any day, which was last season.
1: I think that uh, the 2021 team, I think even, I mean, this is even including last season, probably my least favorite OU team of all time.
0: Yeah, uh, not very bizarre, weird season, and then Lincoln Riley said bye. So, listening to some interviews this week, Danny Stutzman, Can I Walker, to name a couple of the players on defense. No surprise, uh, they said that they've been talking about how they're three and and0 this year, and they also started last season three and and0, and then it all fell apart. Uh, Stutzman said that, "Hey man, if you don't say anything about it, it's going to happen again, and you don't want history to repeat itself." So I like that they're focusing on the fact that, yep, uh, at this point last season everything just kind of fell apart. Uh, this is the, type of the, the time of year, I should say, not type of year, the time of year where I think uh, we can all kind of start to form stronger opinions about this OU football team considering, again, that this time last year, uh, we started to learn what OU was really all about, which was a good team that could play close games but could not win. And you, 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 know, you change a couple plays here and there, you change around a couple one-score losses, maybe OU wins eight, nine, maybe even 10 games last year, including the bowl game. But that's, again, what losers talk about. What if, maybe, if this would have happened, and OU was 6-7. and seven. So this season looking really good, but we'll know a lot more about this team, I think, after Saturday's game at Cincinnati. So, Grant, let's begin with an injury update, and we've got some good and maybe some bad news for the Oklahoma secondary.
1: Yeah, we, uh, Brent Venables this week One, uh, We'll we'll start with the good news to just to kind of... Kind of start off on a cheery note here. It looks like Desan McCullough will be back this week. Brent Venables on his radio show on Monday did announce that that would be the case and sounded pretty definitive when he said so. I heard the sound bites. So um, he did, you know, he, he did go through warmups on last Saturday against Tulsa. And the people who were actually there, you know, thought that he was going to play after going through warmups. He never did. They probably just uh probably just thought they, did, they didn't need him. And that was, that was correct. So we will get to Son McCullough-Backley, and that's a good thing because it sounds like, and it's not like we really got more information on Justin Harrington, but I think there's enough out there, enough smoke out there now to, to think that it's probably kind of a long-term thing here for Harrington. Brent Venable said, we're, we're still evaluating him, and in particular, what his options might be. And so I've heard other people speculating that. I mean, that sounds like someone who is deciding whether or not he wants to play injured or get season ending surgery that's kind of always if you've been around sports enough that's pretty much what that sounds like
0: yeah it's tough because Harrington obviously missed uh, that one you know full year because of an ACL uh, a few years ago so he's been banged up before I'm not sure where he's at I'm not sure if he could get another medical red shirt or how that works if if he could do that and then come back I, I don't know but Better uh, start. If you can't,
1: man, they'd have to start petitioning the
0: NCAA now, it kind of feels like. Well, yeah, that's right. Be, so I mean, if it's one of those things where, man, but also playing on an injured, which looks like knee, I just even if you think, oh, I'll try to gut through it, you're never going to be a hundred percent and you're always gonna be worried that you're gonna you're gonna mess it up and make it worse. I just yeah, It's gonna be up to him. Uh, but also can you play through a knee injury again i'm speculating because he's got a big old brace on his knee uh and be at 100 percent, it just doesn't i don't know it i bet i mean it must not be if like
1: it's if they're if they're trying to weigh whether or not he can play on it don't you think it's ma- it's like maybe it's like it's not as serious as like a full-blown acl tear
0: obviously correct it's not acl it can't be acl because you couldn't play on that uh, can't be PCL. I can speak from experience on that. There's there's no way you could play through a, a PCL tear. Or uh, I know some people. Depending on if it's like maybe a sprain or maybe it's you know, not a full tear, you could play on. The thing with the PCLs again, I, I tore my PCL years ago. You can't make any cuts. Like there's no pain. Uh, you can run straight. Like if you're like a sprinter, like a track star, you could, you could. I mean, I could run. But if you ever had to make a cut or go a different direction, it hurt like, no, nah, I can't do it. It just was weak, so it can't be that. Maybe I guess the other knee, meniscus. Uh, I I can't speak to meniscus what that feels like, and but I I mean, of of those three injuries, that's always the least severe of the three.
1: Say so that's always that's always the knee injury where people are like, ah, do I do I play on it? I get it, like scoped. Usually is kind. Of, I think is is what happens with a meniscus. So, but of course, I'm sure with Justin Harrington, you're you're also thinking long term. I'm sure. I mean, who, who knows? Who knows? The guy's never really played any sort of Division one college football. So it's hard to think professionally in this regard. But I'm sure he's thinking long term health and all of that as well. But no, it's 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 really unfortunate. And uh, I guess we just didn't see enough of him, I, I think, to form any sort of opinion on what side what sort of player he was this year. I mean, I'm talking about him like he's out for the year, but it, I mean, it doesn't look good for him right now. Mm-mm. but no, it, it's also it, he I mean he was the clear starter he was he was mentioned amongst kind of like the most impressive guys throughout fall camp and so obviously right now I mean it's just a huge blow to your depth but also it kind of seems like they have a lot more depth there you got McCullough coming back this week Peyton Bowen played a lot of snaps there last week uh Kip Lewis actually did get time at, at Cheetah and I, I brought that up kind of going into the Tulsa game as well um but yeah, still, I mean, you, you never, you you never want to see another guy go down like that. It's just one less guy you can throw out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was obviously very down on Justin Harrington just because I'll believe it when I see it. And through two games, you know, he he did nothing to, you know, show me that he's like some sort of bad, terrible player like he had been for the. Uh, I mean, for good portions of last season, where he looked lost. But also, I mean, he wasn't like jumping off the the tape. But I mean, it was two games. I mean, like, these two games did his job, but. You know now, like yeah, I, I I can't imagine. It just doesn't seem good. If we get to see him again, great. Probably will be that he's you know not a hundred percent. But yeah, feel for him because he's a, he's a good kid. You know, everyone likes him. He fought hard, and and if if that's true, and he was that much better, and we're just gonna and like that's actually kind of a big blow then because then oh you just lost their starting cheetah uh, again. You know if he's out for the year, so and he's uh, a he's a huge. I mean he's a guy like.
1: He's got the measurables of someone. It's like, yeah, I mean, if, if somebody's going to be good out there, it's like, yeah, I want that dude who's 6'3", 210, does, and yeah. is long. He looks bi- He's always looked
0: big out there. Indeed. So that's Harrington. Uh, good news on McCullough, though. Excited to see him get some extended snaps. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Hopefully he's good to go after that ankle. Um, Brent, uh, Brent Venables also mentioned that he was hopeful, quote, hopeful, on a few other guys, including Savion Bird, R. Mason Thomas, and Josiah Wagner. Uh, hopeful that they'll be available this week. Um, and a couple other injuries, Grant, that you noted. I, I, I watched Venable's thing as well. A couple other injuries where, against guys that haven't been playing much, but are worth mentioning, right? Yeah,
1: uh, Jaden Rowe and Phil Pachati will be out for this season. Um, back to the, uh, which, you know, is, is bad, but uh, I think, you know, Venable said, you know, those are two guys who have their careers ahead of them. And uh, it's probably not something to, to panic about now. Although you never, you never want to see anyone go down like that. But it's football; it happens every single year. It's all about whoever. Just who's, who's it going to be? So um, back to uh, you know to Savion Bird, R. Mason Thomas, Josiah Wagner. Um, I you know this is this is not something that I'm I'm ever really super plugged in while I'm watching the game live. But Savion Bird went down pretty early against Tulsa, um, and he was replaced actually by Caden Green. So. Um, I, I'm you know, not necessarily sure what that means. Um, a lot of people you know, really think Savion Bird has been a pretty big disappointment this year. I mean, he was benched really early on against SMU, um, and then, of course, goes down really early against Tulsa, so I, it's probably pretty fair to say that at this point in time. But uh, definitely interesting going up against definitely the best defensive line that you've played so far, uh, going up against a, a definite NFL guy and Dante Corleone, as a nose tackle there so you want your guards to be good and I you know we'll see if Caden Green gets the start or if it's Troy Everett or if it's they slide Mat- Matayer back over there who knows I mean they got a lot of options so uh, that's always interesting to see but still I mean we're really early in the season I don't I don't necessarily think that's something that we should be really up in arms panicking about yet the R. Mason Thomas thing is that I, I don't really like this this is a guy who I I mean I, I thought this guy was an X Factor this season. I I thought if, if OU's defense was going to improve this year and sort of maybe take off a little bit, one of the more realistic things that you could that you could hope for was that R. Mason Thomas would take a step and be the team's best pass rusher. And as it turned out, we haven't really seen him at all this year. He played a little bit against SMU, presumably tweaked something. He didn't play at all against Tulsa. So um he's a guy I was I, I really want back. And so it's but also it's we didn't, didn't get a lot. He's just, Venables just saying he was hopeful, which is exactly what he said about Desan McCullough last week as well.
0: Yeah, Venables clearly has his his words, his terms for certain issues, mainly injuries, like how he was going to handle it. Uh, Caden Green, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he was talking this week, and he just kind of threw him in at left guard because the co- you know, obviously coaches Bill both thought he could do it, and <laughs> it's only the second week he's been working at guard. <laughs> so if he gets to start... Nah, that's that's telling you that they like this guy a lot. I mean, we of course. I mean, he's a highly recruited guy. I mean, true freshman, blue chipper. You know, you think he's supposed to be you know a, a tackle, I believe, for the future. He's he's built like one. But I mean, you could plug him in there as a true freshman and if he can be serviceable. Then that's that's fantastic. And he seems like a smart player, good football IQ. And so yeah, well, I guess we'll see where they go with the left guard there. But yeah, like you said they got a lot of options. Which is good. Yeah, and and that's one where it's I know. There's other people saying
1: about, you know, going up against Corleone and then Juwan Briggs as well. Another really good player on the defensive line. Just a really good defensive line for Cincinnati in general. There's a lot of people just, ah, man, I don't really know if you want to throw out a true freshman against those guys. And I think they'll be fine. They'll
0: be fine. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Again, I'm not somebody that really pays that close attention to offensive line. They, they have to be playing super poorly for me to really think this has been a problem, and I just haven't seen that so far this year. Like nothing really jumped out. I mean, maybe a play here or there, but yeah, there's one the sack uh, I,
1: that this the the one the one sack that they've given up this year in the SMU game where, and that was Savion Bird, <laughs> where he just got I don't even I don't even really know what to call that. It was like a pirouette basically, and the guy was in the backfield instantly. That was pretty bad. Go watch go watch the Pitt Cincinnati game. That's that's Pitt's offensive line every single play against Cincinnati's
0: defensive line. It seems like. <laughs> uh, so Caden Green he's moved over to guard. Uh, that's the injury situation overall. I know Grant here in the the notes. I didn't get a chance to watch Steph Lebby this week. I, I watched Brenda Bulls and some players. But I'm glad you you know you made some notes on, the old Jackson Arnold. Short yardage situation. So what kind of vibes did you get from Jeff Levy when he talked about that this week?
1: Well, Jeff Levy said, and I quote, the other day looking back, I wish I would have done some different stuff with him in there.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, nope. No. people asked okay. him about it.
1: People asked him about it, and it was in the context of I mean, like, are you just gonna just keep doing this? It's clear to anyone with eyes <laughs> that this thing sucks. And of course, that's not verbatim, but that's that's I mean, That's the context of what it is now. Anybody who's watched that knows that it's just not it at all. And um, I I, I can't really take anything from Jeff Lebby other than they're certainly just going to keep doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, considering he's starting to get a little more pushback on it, maybe it'll actually be kind of nice, kind of fire, because he got a lot of criticism, obviously, after the SMU game for the game plan and then obviously all the Art Briles stuff and then, the offense comes out against a bad defense, mind you, but the offense comes out and was awesome against Tulsa. I mean, boom, boom, boom. And you can thank Dylan Gabriel for that, all the really good wide receivers for getting a chance to to do things. Uh, so, you know, maybe getting a little bit of pushback on the Jackson Arnold thing. Maybe that will actually do something this week, and he'll be like, see, guys, I know what I'm doing. It was super I mean, successful. The best thing they could do in that formation is just, is come out
1: like they're in that formation and then just run their offense, just, just run their run the op- real yeah. offense. That like that would just... probably surprise people. I was listening to uh, the post game pod. Gabe and Teddy did their post game after Tulsa, and uh, they were talking. Guys who played, and so they they they've been in the room. They've seen it. And Layman was was saying that that he likes that package just because it it gives like the other defensive coaching staffs they have to prepare for it. You have to like. You have to do a lot of cut-ups of it. You have, to, you have to go back and you have to watch a ton of other like, offenses that Jeff Lebby has coordinated and said, okay, have they done this in the past? What did they do out of it? What was the... Kind of saying it like in the context of, yeah, this is just sort of like a time sucker for other teams. And, um, and hey, I mean, that's, I suppose that's defensible. I guess while I was listening to that entire explanation, I was just like, why don't you run stuff that works? I feel like that's much more scary for defenses than the alternative.
0: I mean that's an interesting theory. You hear that every once in a while, uh, but here's the thing: it's you can't prove that it actually is a time sucker. Like it, you can't really. You're just like, yeah, it sounds like something I work for, and prepare for, and go back, and like that may well be true, but also what if they aren't? <laughs> because what Oklahoma's done out of it so far is very generic, and you don't have to prepare for it. It's very uh, obvious, and then I, I'm you know the, the counter would be like, well, that's when. Oklahoma will counter with something new. All right, cool. That'll happen one time, and it'll probably work. Whatever they do, it'll it'll probably be like, oh, cool. uh All this bad play. Granted, they're three and zero, so I mean, I suppose the answer to this following question is probably you know could be yes. But like, is all this weird snaps and putting him in danger? Is it going to be worth uh, maybe the one time that you can catch a defense off guard and hit a big play or maybe get a touchdown? I, maybe I guess I don't know, but. Uh, the only reason that we can have this conversation the way it is is because Oklahoma's three and zero, and Jackson Arnold is not injured. <laughs> like they're still doing it, but that's that's my biggest thing. Is like it it just gives him an opportunity to get hurt, and you're doing things that he's not particular. It's not his strength. Like you said, just run the offense. He's, per- he's perfectly capable of running the offense. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of just. I mean, anybody who's watched
1: Jackson Arnold, I mean, go back watch the spring game, go watch his his high school highlights. The guy's fat. He's fast. He can run. I mean, he's got he's got very good straight line speed. But like, why are you trying to use him? him. You don't think of him as like between the tackles bruiser. And he's not like a huge guy either. Like he's 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 kind of thick, but he's not huge. Like I mean, he looks he looks kind of just like an average sized Division one quarterback, but he can run. And I don't know. Go watch his high school tape. Everything he's running out of really really wide formations with with everything is spread out, and there's there's very clear running lanes. And so, I don't know, man, if you want to, and so I, I've heard other people speculate, is this like a, is this a, like a recruiting promise situation? And I, I don't really know how, like, how far that sort of stuff goes. And I'm sure, I'm mean, sure it's a thing. Of course it is. College football has been around for a long time. Um, and if that's the case, like, I mean, if you if you were to present this to me, it's like, if OU would lose Jackson Arnold if they weren't, like, putting this package in, then okay, sure, I guess. That's stupid, but fine. I, I guess that's that's a decent trade-off for me. but. From my perspective, I'm I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to say it because I, I don't think this is stupid. I like, we have eyes. Like we've seen stuff. But if if you really want like a wildcat weird package like that, just
0: put Jalil Farouk back there. Oh yeah, and like last season, they did for a lot in the Texas game, but and they didn't really ever go back to it after that. If you want to go with a big-bodied wildcat type package. Throw Braden Willis back there if you want to get short yardage, which they did a lot in the Texas game and didn't really utilize so much after that. It's kind of like, yeah, you got these other options, but you're using this guy instead. And you know what? Absent any other information, don't know Jackson Arnold, don't know his family. I get the sense, though, based off of his, his he's wearing like an old school OU 2002, 2003 undershirt. Like, I think, he, I think he's an OU fan. I think he's a guy that's liked OU since he was a kid. Like, and he knows coming in, like, he, he committed to Oklahoma with knowing Dylan Gabriel was still here, and I'm sure he knew, okay, yeah, Dylan Gabriel's a quarterback. Like, maybe I'll get a chance to compete for the job, which, I mean, who knows? I mean, like, Dylan Gabriel's certainly done nothing to lose the job, but I'm sure Jackson Arnold thought, yeah, but, like, first year if I play, great, but I'll definitely be the start of year two. I can't imagine a belldozer-type package was, like, the deal breaker. i like, oh, nope, if I don't get to do that, I'm not going to go to OU. Like no, just, yeah, I,
1: I, I mean, I, I do agree with that, which is why I don't, don't necessarily buy that. But yeah, I, I find the whole thing just kind of odd. We'll see if, and hey, maybe we'll we'll be on the show on on Sunday, just being like, God, we're idiots. That was the most brilliant Jackson Arnold Bell Dozier package play I've ever seen. I can't believe or, that or Jackhammer, Jackhammer, Jackhammer or whatever package. they call it. Sure, that's probably a better name, but, um. I don't know. It's just kind of a, in, in, in a sport where it's just like, you know, we just saw, we saw last year, the, the fine line between winning and losing a, a bunch of different times. Uh, I don't, at this point in time, that package is you're wasting snaps. Those are wasted snaps. They're just, it's, they're not blocking it well. It doesn't suit Jackson Arnold's strengths. It's weird. Like I said, if you want to run it, that, that needs to be ran with Jill Farouk. That's, but, of, but I, I understand that. That defeats the purpose of like oh it's a quarterback back there who can, but I also do want to uh, I just want to throw it out there that west of Everest this has been I mean it's it has been the official Jalil Farouk should be getting ten carries a game podcast for nearly <laughs> a full calendar year now I just I just want to
0: throw that out there. I mean he's he's by far the best player on the team with the ball in his hands I mean he he's smooth he's fast he has good vision he can make people miss. I love seeing him get the ball a lot against Tulsa. Get him the football more, please. In the summer, I think...
1: In the summer, Emmett Jones, I think, actually, like, dropped, like, a Percy Harvin reference when somebody asked him about Jalil Farouk. And that, now that, like, after I've seen him these last, you know, these last two games, of course, just his, his absolutely disgusting touchdown against SMU and then his, the best game of his career against Tulsa the week after, um, I'm just like, actually... Yeah. One of the reasons why Percy Harvin was so, and he's not Percy Harvin. I want to throw it out. He's just, he's not. But Percy Harvin was most effective in Florida's offense when he was, when he was in the backfield as a running back and getting carries like an outside zone and basically just allowed to be an athlete in space. And I, like, I watched Jaleel Farouk and I see it and I said, actually, yeah, I think he can do that. They should probably do that. They should probably try to do that. They they need to have a package in there where he's in the backfield along with another running back, too. That's fine. But where he's getting carries because
0: if he gets ahead of steam and he's got space, he's, he's great. He's really good. I feel like they, they did that once or twice, either last season or – I feel like I've seen that no, for he did. A they, snap or two.
1: He would yeah. yeah. I mean they they were giving him they were giving him some stuff last year, but it was never really I think I think we were kinda of surprised you go back because he only had like ten carries last year, which doesn't sound super right. it sounded like he got he
0: felt like he got more than that. He yeah, haven't he hasn't gotten, gotten any right. so far this year. But I mean he got most of them in the Texas game. Like I he oh, I I won't remember him like running it that much. I mean ten sounds about right to me. I I mean just stuff like where you can line them up in the slot and like, you know, motion them to the backfield and then handle the ball like fun stuff like that. I mean, I I just, I,
1: I feel like that'd be great. Yeah. Get a, get a package where Farouk is motioning into the backfield and you don't always hand it off to him. He's doing something. He's doing weird stuff. I mean, that's a wide receiver going into the backfield is, I mean, I'm sure for a lot of college defenses, that's just not something they'd really be able to handle from a communication standpoint.
0: I agree. All right, so let's talk about OU Cincinnati. Sooners going on the road, going to go play at historic Nippert Stadium. And it's a little bandbox field, right, Grant? Would you say about, uh, about 35,000 people or so? Yeah, it's uh, like, I think it was, I was seeing while was, I was looking at the tickets and everything. It's like
1: 38,000, I think. And so it's, that's, sm- that's, that's real small. That's real small stadium. I, I don't have anything in front of me, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the smallest one in the Big 12. Um, but also like that doesn't necessarily mean uh, it's still, it's like, it's really tucked in, like in the middle of, of Cincinnati's campus. So it's like surrounded by a bunch of different, like basically university buildings. And it kind of, it's like one of those where it kind of looks like it's like dug into the ground. And it's just like, I, it's one of those stadiums that you can't really like see from the street. It just looks like a bunch of administrative buildings and everything, and I think that's cool. Like, so if you if you've gone on YouTube or anything, you've tried to look at any sort of like in the stadium videos, and it's like it's a very cozy, comfy stadium, Um, which means it's probably pretty loud,
0: despite it only being thirty-eight thousand. Yeah, just doing a couple Google searches here. So uh, Google says forty thousand for Nippert. Uh, Same as that's the same. Capacity as Houston Stadium, but uh, t Deco T-D. So it's they're, they're both 40,000. I bet those are the two smallest because, uh, you know, the original Big 12, I mean, even Kansas can hold a good amount of people in there, in old uh, David Booth Stadium, I believe. 47,000, they're going to probably expand that. Uh, they're building on to it, I think. But, yeah, so, I mean, uh, small stadium, going to be sold out, going to be loud, uh, going to be fun uh you and i'll be there we'll be there we're getting into town tomorrow we're recording this wednesday night uh so grant and i're gonna go to the game i know at least one listener is gonna go to the game as well and we'll be there grant with oklahoma as a 14 and a half point road favorite and it opened around nine and a half ten so people have hammered ou uh god love you if you're still going to come in on ou minus 14 and a half after you're getting the worst of the number certainly Possible Oklahoma can cover that easily. I mean, OU's 3-0 right now against the spread. I mean, they're easily covered. I mean, ah, SMU, they covered by a, either a half a point or a point, depending on wh- where you got it. But, I mean, OU's 3-0 and ATS, that's pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, and, I mean, two of the three have been not even close. And so let's start with the offense. So Cincinnati's uh, Cincinnati offense. And our old friend Emory Jones is back there at quarterback. We saw him at Florida, geez, a while ago now, December is of that- 2020
1: not oh, it was the 2020 season. I was like, yeah, that was that 2021 season. You were just, and I was like, no, it's actually not. He was, he was, was four, almost three. He was three Florida years starting ago quarterback in 2021, though.
0: Yes, and you know, in 2020 we saw him whenever he was uh, there with Kyle Trask, and you know, OU was making trial uh, trial crask. <laughs> Kyle Trask looked really bad in that bowl game. Uh, and then you know, Emory Jones looked fine. Uh, got some got some plays. Could move the ball a little bit. I wasn't particularly impressed by him, but also Oklahoma's defense, as we know, not great. But that was the best Alex Grinch defense that 2020 season. So, um, I mean, oh, you whooped up on him. Uh, I haven't looked back at the stats from that game yet. But now we're watching Emory Jones in Cincinnati, and from what I remember against Florida, uh, he he looks about the same. Uh, they're letting him throw a little bit more than Florida was, but obviously that was in relief of kyle trask and i don't know he throwing is not really his strong suit although he's got decent numbers uh and against pitt he didn't really run that much either i i haven't mean, had a chance to watch all the miami game from last week to see what that's about but uh, certainly the thing that stands out about him grant is emory jones's ability to move around and run whether or not his stats show or not he's athletic and oklahoma had a little bit of issues with Cardell Williams, even though he didn't really run that much up the field. But he could move last week, and then Oklahoma kind of figured it out. And then, of course, last season, anytime there was an athletic type quarterback, Oklahoma seemed to have trouble. So, that's the big kind of circle that, and think how are they going to handle this guy who has the capability of moving around the pocket, extending plays, and then picking up you know maybe first downs whenever they wouldn't normally be there if it was a different quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think with Emory Jones, the thing that you're you're the most concerned of is is just is his ability just like with cardell williams last week when they were having success his ability to scramble out of the pocket to extend plays and to throw the ball downfield um he did run for over 100 yards against cincinnati lee but only 144 yards rushing on the entire season which means he didn't have a lot he didn't run the ball a whole lot in their first two games at all and and i didn't I, i wasn't able to catch a ton of the miami game uh but i did watch all of their first two games and i noticed not really any designed runs uh there were some um, most of them were kind of in like a draw type situation spread people out and try to run some sort of like quarterback draw Uh, but in terms of like a zone read or anything like that nothing nothing really at all and so i'll be honest i'm not taking that bait i fully expect him to to have a lot of carries in this game um i think they're going to probably let it all hang out with him in, in, in all in all likelihood um but yeah, man, I, I think especially when they actually drop back to pass, keeping him in the pocket is going to be absolutely huge. Uh go watch the Pitt game. He was uh, Pitt did a pretty good job on him and containing him and he he was he was very, very average against Pitt. So um, not in the sense like it didn't I, I haven't really seen him put a ton of balls like in, in, in danger. He has thrown three picks in the first three games, but it's not like egregious stuff where he's where he's just so careless with the ball and he's just throwing crap up for grabs, kind of like, like Brock Purdy style when he was at Iowa State. Um, it, it's not necessarily like that at all. Um, I, I think he's, he's been perfectly adequate for them w- when I've watched them. He doesn't look bad. He doesn't look great. Um, he, he looks like he knows the offense, and when guys are open downfield, he can hit them. That's what he looks like. Keep him in the pocket. Oh, you'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Uh, I mean, his numbers aren't bad. I mean, 66% completion percentage, that's good for, for a college quarterback. Um, it is, know, I, it's It's worth, very much worth mentioning.
1: So, yeah, his number 66%, 735 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, he threw for, like, 390 and five touchdowns in the first game of the season. 390 in that game? Oh, boy.
0: And yeah, I he think he was, uh, and
1: yeah. he was, like... And he was like, it was like a ninety percent completion percentage too. So he's, he he's been very. I mean, b- by
0: by the numbers, he he's been he's been pretty below average their their last two games. Yeah, I'm trying to decide who I think is a better a better quarterback between Jones and SMU's Preston Stone. Like Preston Stone's, uh, like I think they're they're both might be kind of even. Uh, they're both perfectly, like you said, perfectly adequate. Like, they're not bad. They're not bad players by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I mean, Tulsa's starting quarterback against OU was a bad football player. I mean, OU made him look even worse. Uh, then Cardo Williams looked a lot better. Uh, Arkansas State's quarterback, overmatch, not good. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's the one thing is you keep him in the pocket, and you feel pretty good about Oklahoma, the way, especially the way the Sooners have been playing. Think about last season in Game 4. K-State, Adrian Martinez... <laughs> I mean, he, he played maybe the best game of his career. It's, I mean, Oklahoma certainly allowed him to. But a big reason why he was so good in that game, one, I mean, he was hitting a lot of good throws. But also, he can move. And we know Adrian Martinez can't extend plays. And, of course, the big one at the end of the game that essentially broke Oklahoma's back on uh, you know, basically a quarterback draw. He went like 70 yards, almost scored. So uh, game four ended up exposing Oklahoma's defense with a quarterback who, man, Super inconsistent, but has talent, and his talent was showcased against OU. Now I got Emory Jones, who does have talent as well. Will he be able to showcase that talent against Oklahoma? And Will we leave this game thinking, oh, man, that defense, once again, kind of fool's gold through three games. I mean, if I had to put a gun to my head right now, I would, I would say probably not. I, I feel pretty a lot more confident in this defense, just kind of what we've seen especially after they were able to adjust to a Cardo Williams last week after the first half. Uh, but still, like, we got to see it play out on the field, though. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Like, this is,
1: this is a situation where I'm not uh, – I mean, Emory Jones' ability to, to run and extend the play is something that I'm concerned about because that's where – when OU has broken down a little bit this year, I mean, that's basically been what it is. You're, you're not disciplined on your rush lanes. You let a, You let a quarterback – you know, get out of the pocket, and he's just got tons of field in front of him. And what he's doing is not running; he's just extending time for guys to get downfield and to throw throw the ball down the field. Uh, that was that was essentially the story of of Tulsa's little mini run that they had uh, in the second uh, in, in the second quarter on Saturday. So, yeah, I'm you know I, I I think I think Emory Jones is good enough at this point in time to hurt you if you don't play well. I I, I think that 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 is the case. I if OU is is disciplined and they do their job emory jones is 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 probably going to be pretty conservative is not going to throw the ball down the field that much at least that is what he has looked like against pitt and miami of ohio now and so but if you want to move on lee i it's emory jones is what he is and he's you know he's he's a solid sort of distributor for this offense uh but lee cincinnati's two best players are Corey kiner and xavier henderson in my opinion from what i've seen and uh, Corey Kiner, he's a, he's a senior running back. He's got uh, 289 yards, 6.1 a pop, two touchdowns so far this year. Uh, he was really good in the first two games. And then he was kind of shut down last week against Miami, Ohio. Uh, he's, this guy's pretty good, though. He's a bowling ball. He actually reminds me a lot of Tawi Walker. Probably a little bit more shifty than Tawi. Uh, but he's, uh, he's definitely going to put his shoulder down. He's going to try to run over guys as well.
0: He's faster, too. He's got more speed. Uh, then Tawi as well but not a lot of and speed
1: he's in
0: in the first two games
1: had wide open green grass no one in front of him multiple times and got caught from behind by multiple <laughs> yeah. defenders both times
0: okay uh yeah no I, I agree uh, uh I haven't had a chance to watch enough of the Miami game to see how they bottled him up uh it is worth noting though a different running back picked up the slack though uh Ryan Montgomery had uh, 104 yards on the ground, but, I mean, took 20 carries to get there. Uh, they ran a lot of plays against Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio only ran 49 plays and won the game. Uh, pretty crazy there. Let's see. Uh, you mentioned discipline. So, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma discipline-wise on defense has been really good. I mean, the, the edge has very rarely ever been lost. Uh, speaking of discipline and just the defense in general, I, I, I will bring up, uh, I rewatched the first half of the Tulsa game and I will retract my criticism of Danny Stutzman. Uh, there were not as many negative plays as I previously thought. Uh, there were the, the two or three that definitely stood out, but I watched him individually for every snap and it was, yeah, it, it, there definitely was not more negatively graded plays. So I take that back. Uh, he, he did play did play well in that game and he's the guy in the middle and you know, he was one i think when we did the game of you know if, if someone can be uh you know if x is an all-american oh he's going to win you know double digit games or something like that i think i brought Stutz, Stutzman just because the guy in the middle he's a player that we've all kind of wanted to take a step it's brent venables you know group the linebackers and if the line you know middle linebacker the, you know whatever the the guy in the middle of the defense can play really well maybe that'll make everybody else play really well and uh, he certainly has played very well so far this year, and and he'll be another key player here against Cincinnati. I mean, uh, get the guy lined up right, make sure he has good eye discipline, and plug some holes, man, fill some gaps. That was the the main issue with him last week, where there's a couple times where he was a little, little conservative, didn't jump. But I mean, there's a lot of snaps per game, so he can't, he can't be perfect. So just wanted to make sure I put that, pointed that out about Danny Stutzman, that uh, I. I retract my statement. I was wrong about that after the Tulsa game. Well, anything
1: else? Well, good on you, Lee. That's that's very that's very big of you. You're a good man for doing that. I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I it's just a couple of other things here on on their offense. I, I mentioned Xavier Henderson. He was a he, he was a guy. He's he's their leading receiver. He's got uh, 20 catches for 300 yards, one touchdown that he had against Eastern Kentucky. He was a uh, he's a transfer from Florida. He he led Florida in, in catches last year. And um, he was he was a guy that they got after the spring, and so when I, you know he's he's pretty good, he, he's okay. Um, he's not he's not a world beater, but when you look at him, you look at him, you're like, okay, yeah, that's what like a uh, he, he's got the body and the look of like a good Division one receiver. And so there have been times, especially in the last two games, where he's kind of disappeared a little bit. Um, but he's 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 definitely their go to guy. Uh, Braden Smith and D. Wiggins, both of these guys are also. Also transfers in their first year of the program, their uh, their numbers uh, two and three there, and so you know I their I, their receiving core is is fine. It's it's fine. It's a bunch of guys who you know are are probably outside of Henderson, who I think is above average. Everyone else, uh, kind of replacement level players, not terrible, but also not not anything that you need to absolutely lose your mind over. Lee, a couple of like sort of superlatives here, some interesting stuff. I just kind of wanted to. I wanted to throw out there because I thought I thought it was interesting. They had they they averaged nine point four yards per play against Eastern Kentucky in that first game. If you go and watch some of the highlights, uh, they were very explosive in that game. A lot of big plays, a lot of long touchdowns. Lee uh, Eastern Kentucky has, as of this week, per SP plus the ninety fourth ranked defense in FCS. So uh, do with that what you F-C-S. will. FCS FCS. That's that's <laughs> yeah. the old
0: Division <laughs> I mean, One. That's what AA. you said. I just wanted. To you said that. I just wanted to emphasize
1: it. Yes. So I, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, the next week against Pitt, who everybody thinks has, a, has an above average to good FBS defense. Uh, they averaged only 5.4 yards per play in that game. And, Lee, this is, this is what I find really interesting because I actually I, I paid very close attention to this game. I, I watched it a lot. I took a lot of notes. And this is something that I, um, that I really noted because here we go. First two drives... In this game for Pitley, they had they went 134 yards in nine plays. They scored they scored ten ten points. Rest of the game, they ran sixty plays, and they were only at 3.8 yards per play the rest of the game. So hmm. they and so I, I say this just to bring it up. So if you go back and rewatch the Pit game, their first two drives are extremely scripted. I mean so obviously overly scripted. And I know that because they're in a they're in a completely different personnel grouping every single play. Which you can only do if that is, if you practice that and that's what your plan is going into the game. Um and there you go. I mean 15.3 yards per play the first two drives. And then once you get into the flow of the game, you go off script a little bit. Well, well, well below average at only 3.8 yards per play for that's 60 plays. That's a lot of plays where they were at only 3.8 yards per play. Yeah, and
0: way bigger sample size, for sure. Yeah,
1: and especially especially in the second half. They're going three and out a lot in the second half. And so um, I say that to just be on the lookout. If Cincinnati comes out all hot and heavy and it looks like they're throwing haymakers and they're moving it, it's because they're a very scripted offense. And once they get away from the script, they'll probably slow down a little bit and they'll have a little bit more trouble. So if OU can actually, with, you know, if, if, they can, if they can withstand that early punch from Cincinnati, I, I mean that's they, they might be ready to quit, is what I'm saying, because they' not they've really struggled when they don't know exactly uh, what they've practiced the entire week and they have to start adjusting to the defense.
0: Good stuff, really interesting stuff there. Uh, good eye for that. And you know I wasn't able to get through the entire pit game. I, I was able to get through the first couple quarters and you know, half of the third quarter. And what I noticed, what stood out to me, I mean, is the scoreboard. I mean, Cincinnati's up big, and they must, you know, not do anything the rest of the game. They're up twenty-seven to seven, and uh, so th- to your point a moment ago, you said they went three out, three and out a lot in the second half. Uh, Cincinnati had a big lead and on the road, and almost gave it back to Pitt. Uh, can you speak to kind of how the rest of that game played out? Because considering I had, did not get through the, the rest of the pick game.
1: Yeah, I would say Pitt dominated the last uh, about 18 minutes of the game. So like kind of the end of the third quarter um, and the entire fourth quarter was totally owned by Pitt. Uh, Cincinnati had to hang on for dear life to win that game. And uh, yeah, Pitt had the ball in the red zone only down by six. Uh, with like with three minutes left to go in the game, and I think I think Pitt actually had two separate shots against Cincinnati's defense, only down six, um, and then they were able to bow. Cincinnati was able to bow their neck a little bit. Pitt is I I Pitt is atrocious on offense. That is absolutely one of the worst FBS, uh, uh, one of the worst Power Five offenses. And it was it was confirmed just this past week too. West Virginia absolutely smothered them. West Virginia was better on defense against Pitt than than Cincinnati was. And so, um, it's, 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 it's kind of tough to, to gauge that, but, um, and we'll, we'll get into Cincinnati's defense here later, but, you know, I, I think a lot of us were kind of thinking, oh man, the Cincinnati team They're you know, they go into another power five team, Pitt, a team, I mean, Pitt is only two years removed from winning the ACC. They won nine games last year. Um, thinking, wow, that's a really good win for Cincinnati. Uh, Pitt stinks. They stink. That's not a good team. Yeah and th- their defense is is okay it's 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 okay it can definitely get stops yes. but um that's that's a that's a below average football team that uh, that cincinnati got up really early on and then had
0: to hang on for dear dear life so you look at the numbers you pointed out how cincinnati was so explosive and so good against eastern kentucky and eastern kentucky is a bad fcs defense and then the next two games they're under six yards per play you look at you know total offense and you know Cincinnati's up there in the nation like they're top 15 in total offense but digging into the numbers a bit how much of that are they getting just from that one game against an FCS opponent uh you know adjust for that and it's probably fair to say that Cincinnati's offense is should not be considered a top 15 offense in college football right now um uh, just based on the way they played against Pitt and the way they played against Miami Ohio a uh, you know a MAC team um uh, But that doesn't mean Oklahoma's going to be able to have success. It's just pointing out, fat like, okay, this is a team that Oklahoma's defense, given what we've seen so far, should be able to have some success against. They should. I mean, it's going to be a much better team than Tulsa, no doubt about that, on offense. And it's going to be on the road in a tough environment against a team who just lost, probably because they were overlooking Miami-Ohio to play OU. Uh, I mean, since he was a two-touchdown favorite against Miami, so uh, classic letdown spot, overlooking so, uh, yeah, like it's Oklahoma should play well, but you never know. Again, we're at that spot where you, you, you want to have confidence, but still not enough information really for us to have a whole lot of confidence.
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a Cincinnati offense who I think is like they're not they're not bad. They're not terrible. But when you watch them, especially against their two games against FBS teams, you're just you're sort of waiting for a little bit more oomph. Where it just it doesn't necessarily look like they have that that second gear, and of course, as soon as I say that, I'm sure they'll just run rough rough shot over OU. But um, I, I don't know. It's, this is their their offense is is very gettable, if if that makes sense. They're, uh you keep you keep Emory Jones in the pocket, and and I think OU's defense is
0: going to have a lot of success. I really hope, and this I think it was in the pit game. I really hope a. Uh, an OU safety doesn't bite on the generic play where Emory Jones takes a snap and acts like he's running it, but then pulls up and then throws it to a wide open guy. Who's whose safety <laughs> thought he was actually running the ball. Cause that happened against Pitt and it was defend, you know, it was defended pretty well. It was actually a really great throw uh, in the touchdown, but I really hope considering we haven't seen a whole lot of that on tape from Emory Jones. <laughs> I really hope that, uh, you know, Reggie Pearson doesn't fall for that, like that play. Cause I have a feeling we're going to see at least one version of that, just super generic, like, oh, look, he's running. Just kidding. Now I'm throwing it. So,
1: no, I, I uh, that's I my you. last
0: note. Um, <laughs> I feel, I feel one other thing, I, I just had another,
1: I had a couple notes here cause I, I'm curious, just because I noticed this, I, I'm curious what sort of, just kind of how they're going to tackle you. Um, Go watch their game against Eastern, Eastern Kentucky. They're in 10 personnel a lot, which means, you know, four wide receivers and one running back. They're spreading it out a lot, almost kind of like the old Texas Tech days where there's just so much space and big splits and everything. Um, and then in Pitt, they were exclusively in like 12 and 21 personnel. So I, I don't know if that had something to do with them just not thinking that they could protect, um, you know, 10 personnel or if they just think that's a, better, that's a better package for them, or if against Eastern Kentucky they were just kind of working on stuff and 10 personnel. But yeah, they moved around a lot in different personnel groupings against Pitt. Um, and then I, I, I noticed a lot of like 11 and 12 personnel against, against Miami of Ohio in the little bit that I watched. And so curious what they're going to come out against um, against OU. Uh, you know, If I was them, I'd tell them your best chance against OU is to get into 10 personnel and spread everything out. I, I promise you that. That that's what they should do. Um we'll, we'll, we'll see if they'll do that. I, I'm I'm not really sure, but uh, something something definitely to keep in mind.
0: I agree. I take my chances trying to trying to throw on Oklahoma secondary. I mean, their defensive numbers so far have been really good. Uh, the one bit of weakness has been in the secondary. I mean, it's not not terrible. I mean, but that's that's where the I guess the pers- uh, presumed weakness is. So. Uh, can Emory Jones pick a team apart? Mm, you'd hope not. You'd hope it wouldn't be Oklahoma, but yeah, I, I mean, Scott Satterfield's a good coach. I think he can. Uh, so. I think he can early on with a good script, and that's um, we'll see if that's what they have. Flipping the script over to the defense, and I'll start with this. Let's talk about Oklahoma real quick because I've been kind of waiting to get to this point. Then we talked about injuries at the start. Uh, another. Injury storyline that has been going on apparently since last season and then into the preseason and then into the regular season is Gavin Sachuk And Gavin Satchuk talked on Tuesday and talked about how, yes, he had been dealing with some hamstring issues, and he said he's not sure how far back into fall camp it went as to, like, when it started, which is kind of kind of weird that he doesn't even remember unless he just didn't want to say, like, when he started kind of feeling – Injury, you know, an injury to the hamstring. Uh, And so he, so that has been confirmed. He has been dealing with some injuries. So that's probably why he's been playing. Uh, He was asked if he's 100% now. He said yes. Did he look 100% in the last game? Uh, I know we talked about it in the last podcast. No, no, we didn't. How much of that was him just kind of being bottled up and first kind of game action, strong, like real game action? We hope that's the case. Um, He did mention how, you know, it's just different taking game reps compared to practice reps. So, Hopefully that's true. Hopefully he is back to 100%, and it'd be nice to see the, the real Gavin Satchuk. Although, we've seen now Gavin Satchuk in a bowl game, and for our decent extended action, I guess, against Tulsa, we saw an excellent game with a fumble mixed in, and we saw a very pedestrian game with a touchdown mixed in <laughs> against Tulsa. So, you know, which Gavin Satchuk is he? I'd like to think that he's the, 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 the former. He's the guy we saw in the bowl game. And this will be they need, a good I mean, defense they, he's going up they against. They need the
1: guy. They need the guy that they saw in the bowl game. That's, that, guy, that guy would make this offense take
0: off. So what kind of defense we got going on here with Cincinnati, Grant? What do they look like to you? To me, they, uh, they, they look solid, but uh, Miami, Miami of Ohio might have put some things on tape for OU's offense to take note of. Well, essentially, I you know too long,
1: didn't read a Cincinnati's defense's yeah, I mean, when I wa I think I think Dante Corleone and Jawan Briggs are both really good players. They're probably better than any defensive lineman that OU has on their team. Those guys are really good, um, and they were uh, those guys and friends were harassing Pitt's offensive line all day. Now, my I think I think Pitt is absolutely atrocious on the offensive line. So I, I want you to Pitt Pitt did worse against Cincinnati's defensive line than. Than an, an FCS EKU and a and a Mac Miami of Ohio, so take that you know for what you will. Um, but I think Cincinnati's got a pretty solid front seven. Where I think OU might have success, and and not even really might. I guess my takeaway from watching their three games is that Lee, I think their secondary might kind of suck.
0: I think OU might be able to throw for a lot of yards on them. Well, the very first snap of the Miami game from scrimmage. Uh, Blaine Gabbert's brother <laughs> the Miami quarterback threw a 79 yard touchdown pass on the very first snap of the game just uh, the go route on the outside to Miami of Ohio's best receiver and Cincinnati was <laughs> Cincinnati was playing press cover one uh, how often do you think they're going to play press cover one against OU <laughs> uh, I, I can't imagine it'll happen a whole lot uh, I- Miami saw it and they just took a shot and boom touchdown <laughs> I mean it would be
1: if they do I mean they sh- they probably should mix some of that in they're going to have to disguise it a lot better but no I mean right. from what from what I've seen from the defensive backs I I wouldn't I wouldn't trust them to hold up in man to man too often back there with with what OU has shown with so far um I don't know man like all of Pitt's success on offense and there wasn't a lot of success on offense in that game came throwing the ball and it was all like it was all like Phil Dracovic just kind of tossing stuff up, kind of him just throwing up prayers to wide open guys.
0: I, that was that one in the first half where he just he literally he, he like he was like he was playing five hundred in the in the backyard. He like throws he threw it as high as he could. And somehow it was like a punt. And the, there was a wide open player. And you watch the replay, it's because the the guy kind of fell down. He slipped and fell down. It's like okay. But still, it was like the ball was in the air for, it seemed like, five seconds or longer. And I was like, oh, this is going to be... And whenever the, the Pitt player caught it, just in my mind, I just assumed it was the defensive back. Because the ball was in the air for so long. No, but it was like a 40-yard gain. <laughs> it was a weird play.
1: Yeah, and so I, I think, you know, he got a, a couple of Pitt's touchdowns in that game. where uh, we're, uh, we're in the red zone. They were touchdown passes from Dracovic that were just kind of one-on-one, like, fade-type routes. Yeah, I, I, bad coverage. Bad coverage both times. De- defensive back not finding the ball. Uh, a lot of times, good throws by Drakovic. But also, if the defensive back just turns their head, both of them could have been interceptions. Um, reminds me a lot of what we used to see with OU and uh, what's his name was coaching them. Who's it? what's his, I've already forgotten his name. I want to say Alex Grinch or Kerry Alex, Cooks. Kerry Cooks, thank you. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> where is Kerry Cooks? Is he a, is he at USC? <laughs> oh man. Um let's see. Let's see where he's at. Uh quick uh, is that Um really? Or is he at LSU? Apparently he's at LSU LSU which he's got ties to Brian Kelly cuz of Notre Dame. So Was
1: Carry Carry Cooks wasn't the wasn't the DB coach in 21, was he?
0: Riley's last year no. here? Who was? No. Wait, was he? I don't think he was. No. Well, it's I mean, Grinch is the Grinch was the safety. Oh, uh, oh, wasn't he? oh, oh, Roy Manning. Roy Manning. <laughs> he's at he's at USC, right? He's at USC for sure. Yeah, I forgot about Roy Manning. That's right. The linebacker who is coaching corners. <laughs> only the uh, only the best. And, you know, we all try to talk ourselves into it not being that big of a deal. Uh, the things we'll do to, to fi- try to find hope. But the anyway, guy who was recruiting for both USC and OU allegedly.
1: That's a lot of that's a lot of words and talking about Kerry Cooks and Roy Manning and all that. Just for me to say, I think I, I think since these corners might might stink, I I, I, th- I think I think OU might be able to, de- to to profit quite a bit throwing at those guys is
0: what I'm saying. And in the season so far, where we thought, like you said last week or last show, or we kind of figured the running game would be keeping OU on schedule and dominating with the touches and kind of keeping things going. It's been a flip, and, and the passing game's been terrific. Uh, I know the SMU game was kind of off-kilter, a little uneven, uh, but Dylan Gabriel looks really solid. And, yeah, I mean, Miami of Ohio, not a particularly high-flying passing offense, and neither is Pitt, but both of them had different types of success against, this, uh, against the Cincinnati defense. So you hope that Jeff Lebby and... Dylan Gabriel and all those receivers that we saw pitch in last week can have a similarly amazing game against this secondary. That'd
1: and so yeah, fun. I mean if I'm if I'm Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, I like I'm I am kind of playing that shell, the shell defense. I'm doing the whole I'm doing the three safeties, I'm doing the umbrella stuff. I make an OU dink and dunk. That I mean to me that's that's so obviously the game plan for Cincinnati's defense and it should be. Uh, but we'll see though. That would, I mean, that's that's not where they were having a lot of success against Pitt a lot of the time. So we'll see if it'll now, be one of those things book, where it's like, yeah, as I say, we'll we'll see if it's one of those things where the DC's is just like, we're just gonna run our stuff and we're gonna let them and they do that and they're aggressive. I th- I think oh, OU might throw for a lot of yards on them. Um, and it's not it's 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 not and like I, I really respect like I, I think Corleone and and Briggs are really good. I. I just I think OU probably has answers for them that can. I'm not gonna say like shut them down because these are really good players, but um, I OU is not gonna let those two guys wreck their game. They're just
0: not going to. I was gonna say the what I saw against Pitt, the, the part I watched a little bit of the Miami of Ohio game on third and medium to third and long. I mean Cincinnati does have the rush three drop eight kind of umbrella coverage in their playbook so it's something they do do uh and i'd look to see that on third down and long against oklahoma so uh will they just consistently just do that on third down again like we've kind of seen the the first few games or is it something that they're going to try to do a little bit more to attempt to keep more things in front of you and force dylan gabriel to be patient with the football and see if they can get some organic pressure with those big guys up front that you like a lot and i mean that seems like a pretty decent game plan uh if that's the case. Then you hope that Oklahoma can get that Gavin Satchuk from the bowl game, and you can run the ball against that three-man front where they're going to they want to try to drop guys, and because that's how you, you counteract it. And that's a big reason why Lincoln Riley was able to, to do so well against Iowa State's defense for all these years, because they can run the ball through it. They ran the ball through it pretty well, and we able to have a lot of success against Iowa State. Uh, I'm not saying Cincinnati's defense is going to look like Iowa State's defense, uh, but they have they do have that in their playbook, so. Uh, it's definitely an option for the, the Bearcats this weekend, and that'll be kind of an interesting little chess match.
1: I think it's been – there just hasn't been – there haven't been enough games yet this year for, for us to really know what's going on, especially now. Every, everybody's dealing with the whole transfer portal stuff. Every team is starting guys who are playing in that program for the first time who used to play at other programs. It's hard to kind of like cross-pollinate now or cross, ex, cross-pollinate, examine – compare I don't know it's it's a little more difficult I I think Cincinnati has put enough their defense has put enough good stuff on tape where you're like okay those are good players I can see them having success there but the rub of that is that they've also put enough on there where it's just like oh I feel like an actually good offense and they have not placed a good offense yet It's like oh man I feel like an actual good offense might kind of run them a little bit on that and so we'll see does OU see the same things? Do they feel they can take advantage of it?
0: And this is where we hope the experience a couple weeks ago playing a team in SMU that we still think is going to be a pretty good team. I mean, SMU took care of business in week one against La Tech, uh, got beat by OU, but then, and then you know, went ahead and romped over an FCS team. So, um, and, I mean, they were able to hold OU down defensively, only 28 points, but they, you know, Oklahoma's defense played pretty well. Uh, saying all that, to then say that you know, Oklahoma's kind of been tested already against a team that may be similar to Cincinnati and may, in a lot of ways, be better than Cincinnati. Uh, that can only help, right? I mean, that, that can't be a bad thing. Because at this point last year, and I mean, we kind of knew Nebraska wasn't good. They just fired Scott Frost, but Oklahoma had you know taken him to the woodshed. We didn't think Kent State was all that great, although they did have some pretty good skill guys. And then uh, we knew, you know, UTEP was nothing special. Uh, we at least have SMU. Is like eh, SMU might be a pretty, pretty good team when the season's over. With they might have eight or nine wins, who knows, or more. So I just wanted to point that out. At least they have that. Whereas, I, I mean, Cincinnati's played Pitt. Pitt's not a pushover team. So I mean, I guess that's their version. But they also played Miami of Ohio, and they just got beat by them. So uh, and they and they got beat too. It yeah. wasn't like it really.
1: I can see why someone would say it was a fluke because of just how how much Cincinnati got into the red zone and just and came up with zero points, but that's if that happens multiple times per game, that's what kind of like mediocre teams do. We saw that with OU a lot last year, and and I, I mean, man, Miami Ohio made like they they took advantage of their of their limited snaps in the game. I mean, they were Miami Ohio was getting just chunks against them, and that's a. Uh, that's kind of how OU moves the ball. So, um yeah, man, if if Dylan Gabriel is on again and he's accurate again, I it, it wouldn't shock me. It would not it wouldn't shock me really either way if OU struggled, but like if, if OU is going up and down the field on these guys and just getting like 20 yards here, 30 yards here through the air, I'm
0: it's I'm just I'm just not going to be surprised at all. So, uh, let's Put it this way, Like we haven't really been making picks for OU just because it just hasn't felt right. We didn't really do a whole lot last year either because um, it's just tough to predict this team, and I, I don't want to go on record with it. It's Because it, we don't know what you're going to get. I mean, if, if Oklahoma's a team that we've seen the first three weeks, that's like more of their identity, then you better believe they should, they should be able to win this game by three scores. Uh, they should. I mean, they should be able to beat the I mean, Miami-Ohio just beat them. Uh, granted, it makes it tougher now that Cincinnati is coming in after a loss, 100%. They're going to be even more focused. They want to bounce back. So this game got a lot more difficult. Uh, but would I want to lay the 14 and a half? You know, if, no way. I mean, I don't like the hook. You're on the road. Uh, it's going to be a loud stadium. I know we were talking off the air. You, you think OU fans might travel pretty well. Hope you're right. Um, but if not, and it's, Cincinnati's got a good backing there and it's loud, it, I mean, this is going to feel like Dylan, you know, Dylan Gabriel – uh historically has not played very well i think you mentioned that before against cincinnati new situation now obviously he hadn't played well against Tulsi either and that was all out the door but uh he's gonna kind of feel like his old you know old times back playing at ucf kind of being on the road and playing at cincinnati in one of these types of stadiums
1: pretty sure even uh i think satterfield even said in like one of his press conferences this week he mentioned gabriel being like oh and three against cincinnati in his career no bueno yeah, so I I was actually um, I think it was last night. I was on YouTube. I was I was trying to I was trying to find videos of just like what the inside of the stadium looks like because I was trying to find like get a better look at like what our seats are gonna be. We're we're gonna be behind one of the end zones, uh, not not on the student section side, but on kind of like the the club level side or whatever the end zone. And um, it just so happened the one like the best video on there was a. Um, was some sort of like UCF beat writer. They had like a sights and sounds thing from when, of course, UCF was playing at Cincinnati. And it was it was Gabriel's last year at uh I think second to last year. I, I think it was Cincinnati's playoff season. And um of course it was it was Gabriel it was Gabriel Gabriel was the quarterback. I, I could tell there and they that was a game that they lost and I was like, oh man, I I just randomly picked this. I hope this is not a bad omen. And <laughs> but but also, I mean... Yeah, I'm looking back through the... But also, Cincinnati's corners in that game were Sauce Gardner, who is, I think, the best corner on the planet, and Kobe Bryant, who is in the NFL, not, not quite as good as Sauce
0: Gardner, but still an NFL guy. What was the playoff year for Cincinnati? I don't remember that when that was. 21. So that wasn't wouldn't, that wouldn't Gabriel then, because he, he didn't play against Cincinnati in 21. He got, that was the year he got injured.
1: It may have so, actually. Now that I'm thinking, it may be it may have been the 2019 season because of the video that I was watching. Because this was a full stadium,
0: unless did Gabriel play? Because he only played yeah, like Gabriel three played games in 21. Yeah, I'm looking at the game logs. Uh, Gabriel played against Cincinnati in 19 and 20. And if you know the the NCAA sports reference and MLB sports reference websites, if you guys ever use them. For whatever reason on my computer, it just slows everything down when I'm on these websites so right now i'm I'm currently locked and I can't do anything, which is really frustrating. I'd love to tell you what year he they played at Cincinnati, but I can't because my computer's frozen so <laughs> but it was either nineteen or twenty <laughs> and if you said there was there was fans there, it was would have been nineteen likely
1: yeah I'm already it's it's definitely nineteen because yes i I can confirm while I was watching that video full full you know sell out crowd so
0: that, that does make sense. All right. So Gabriel, 0 2 all time in his career against Cincinnati. He was 0 2 against Tulsa before last week. So oh, maybe, you know what it was? You know, maybe this is. He
1: played. Because Satterfield said something about him being 0 3. And now I'm wondering did Gabriel ever play Louisville when he
0: was at UCF? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, his, his, in 2021, he probably. I just had yes, it up. That if was Mike- the game he got hurt wow because this game means a little bit more to old
1: old dg man how, how cool would it be if we we're about to get a dylan gabriel revenge tour right now what if he is what if he is keenly aware of all of that all of that and he is using he's like in a michael jordan way he's just he's using that be I mean, pretty sweet he's been really good this year i mean he's, I mean, he's I'm, pretty common and cool I would love to, man. I, man, he, I, I would, I, I would, love, I'd, I'd be the very first person in line to say I was wrong about Dylan
0: Gabriel if that's, if that's how it turns out. I would love to, love to be there. Man, he was having a great game, too, against Louisville 22 of 29, 184, three touchdowns. Did have a pick, but he also caught a touchdown pass. <laughs> and he had a, he had a rushing, he had five total touchdowns in the game, but he was injured i not really he's sure gonna, when he was injured.
1: He's going to double that on Saturday. He's going to have 10 touchdowns. It's going to be sweet. We're going to be in the stands going crazy. We're like, ah! It's going to be exactly like that.
0: All right. Well, since I can't see the rundown because my computer is still frozen on this website, I'm going to kind of try to workshop it here. It's up to you to move us through the rest of the show. Where are we going to next? Okay, well... I'm
1: assuming, I'm assuming because your computer is frozen, you're not going to be able to load in your Facebook comments.
0: I don't think we have any Facebook comments, do we? Oh, that's,
1: that's depressing. That sucks. I mean, I don't know. I haven't, I've, I haven't been on well, Facebook. I, I haven't been on Facebook in
0: three years, man. I mean, I normally I, I'll, I'm you know, a 33 year old, I'll Facebook put a prompt either. out there. I have not put a prompt out since uh, the three word review prompt. So I, I don't think we have any Facebook comments, so. Okay, well, there you go. Then that means we are,
1: we're done talking about OU right now, and it's time to talk about the rest of college football. Lee, we'll start with the Big Ten. Here is a, a smaller Big or Big Ten, Psh, the Big 12. That's the conference that Oklahoma plays in for three more months. Um, all right, Lee, so a, a smaller Big 12 schedule this week because we actually have some Big 12 teams playing against each other this week. So SMU and TCU, we're going to save that one for the picks actually, so I, I threw that one in the picks. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that one. But, Lee, this is also an interesting game. I thought about throwing this one in our picks. Lee, Brigham Young University, fresh off a victory in Fayetteville, Arkansas, last week, travels to Lawrence, Kansas, to face the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas is an 8.5-point favorite. That game's at 230 on ESPN. Do you have any thoughts about it?
0: It's, it's at KU, you said? It's in Lawrence. Man, I I mean just kind of an interesting game, isn't it? Yes. Um I'm I'm somebody who's yes, Jalen Daniels is good. I'm not the biggest fan of his though. It's just I still think he's kind of a bit player. Uh, and I mean I didn't see much of the Nevada game last week. They almost I know they it was close. Um but that being said, I mean them playing such a close game last week, and BYU coming off a big win over Arkansas, like it kind of makes me. It's kind of a weird number though. But I would, I mean, if we're going to talk about the gambling line, I'd probably, I definitely lean towards Ku la- swallowing the points. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what a whoever who'd have thought BYU Ku would be an interesting matchup like a, two years ago, two three and o
1: teams. I I guess I'm I'm stunned is not the right word, but I I was really surprised that BYU went in and beat Arkansas that I did not see that coming Uh, just because BYU had been really punchless the first two weeks against kind of bad competition. And so we'll see, I don't know. This is a massive, obviously a huge test for BYU, but of those, of those four new teams that came in and and like, I know that Cincinnati was in the college football playoff two seasons ago, but BYU is the most used to playing like kind of like a power five level schedule. They always they've always kind of scheduled up and played good teams, and so maybe that really served them well on the road against Arkansas. And, and maybe Arkansas stinks too, and we don't we just don't know it yet. But gosh, man, this is such a good screw Vegas, man! Like this this is the perfect line. They hit they nailed this. I have no idea what to do with this.
0: Yeah, because I don't know. I mean, you you go you go up to fourteen or something, or you go up to ten. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, BYU's got a pretty good defense, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll take those points. Um, but I mean, like if it's, if it's seven, it's still kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know. But like, but they're go eight and a half and good game. Good game. But it, it is weird. I mean, Kansas have, having
1: to hang on for dear life against, against Nevada is, was odd, especially after how good Kansas had kind of looked, but also I guess Kansas sort of got out to a big lead against Illinois and then had to hold on in that game too. So that could just be sort of a sort of their MO. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, that's that's a game we're probably going to learn a whole lot about both teams, I would guess. Lee, moving on. Also at 2:30 p.m., this one on ESPN Plus, the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. They are six-point favorites on the road in Morgantown against West Virginia. I, um, you know, it's this this not not really an aesthetically pleasing game. I probably will not watch this game at all live. It'll all just be over on replay when I'm preparing for OU to. To play West Virginia in a month and a
0: yeah, half. Yeah, I'd, I'd say give me the Red Raiders on the road. Uh, West Virginia with a, you know, a, a, a slobber knocker, W against Pitt. Uh, I know Texas Tech, I mean, they need wins. I mean, you look at their schedule before the season. This is like one of those games where you're like, oh, yeah, they, I mean, Texas Tech should win that game. Obviously, they're favored. Uh, I'm sure if this line came out in the summer, it would have been something, maybe even double digits, not just six. So maybe a little bit of value here on Texas Tech uh and i mean they need this game i bet it would have been like nine and a half in the summer like nine and a
1: half in the summer somewhere out there that's that's that'd be a pretty big swing if it was double digits because i don't necessarily think because like obviously texas tech losing to wyoming but they you know wyoming had a pretty low win probability in that game so a lot of things had to go their way texas tech pretty much played up to expectations against oregon and then i'm not necessarily what did texas tech do last week I wish I could tell you. Oh, they play, I think they play like Tarleton. That sounds right. Tarleton, I that think, or something right. like that. Um, that's another one. Yeah, we're gonna learn a lot about this. You got West Virginia coming off in a you know double digit win at home against a Power Five team a g- Game that Neil Brown really needed to have. So <laughs> it makes me wonder if it makes me wonder like, and this actually like matters this week because we can actually place legal bets like conveniently this week in the state that we're gonna be in. So yeah. I'm gonna stay away from this game. This that's that's tough. This one's tough. I, I would probably lean Texas Tech minus six, but like, uh, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if like you look up and it's it wouldn't surprise me at all if like we look at our phone when we're at Nippert Stadium and we see it's like oh god, West Virginia's up thirteen to ten on Texas Tech in the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, I mean maybe yeah, exactly. I mean I have no interest in betting the number. I mean maybe it could be some one of those things where we could put our heads together and put together like maybe a fun you know big 12 money like money line parlay or something to just kind of get a little juice on the game um you know i really wish we could go ahead and uh just like can we make like a deal with the state of ohio right now and place wagers like ahead of time because i i, I hate waiting until later to get the number I like, I like getting i mean i was in wyoming last week where i think i brought it up like where it was legal and i was there on a sunday through thursday and I got to tell you, it was pretty awesome to be able to go on to DraftKings and FanDuel on Sunday night and look at the early lines for NFL games. And, you know, obviously it's up to me to make the right call. But, like, think, oh, I'm, I'm going to get these numbers before they start to move. And I got at least two games where, like, for example, I jumped on Sunday, last Sunday night. I grabbed the Saints minus two and a half against Carolina. I think the, the number ended at either three or three and a half that two and that two and a half was big because the saints ended up obviously winning by a field goal so it it went from a push if i would have got it at three or a loss at three and a half like that half a point mattered point being we're going to fly into cincinnati tomorrow and whatever games we end up deciding to bet on i mean there could be one or two or more of them where we just got the worst of the number if we would have been able to do it two days ago boom money in our pocket baby ridiculous
1: Yeah, I don't really think of it that way. You bet the number that you got. That's what you do. Just accept it. Yeah, I don't understand anything you just said Um, there. Lee, moving on on here. (laughs) Moving on here, Lee. I think this is probably the Sickos gambling college football game of the week. Your Oklahoma State Cowboys are in Ames at Iowa State. Iowa State, Lee, coming off a loss to the Ohio Bobcats. Not Ohio State. The Ohio Bobcats. The the other OU, OU. You mean? The OU, you're right. Iowa State is a three and a half point favorite over Oklahoma State, who just got taken to the shed
0: by USA last week. Man, uh, you didn't bring up the the number that we actually care the most about in this game. What's the total? The total's got to be like thirty. I should have put. The, I uh, I didn't put the total in there. What's wrong
1: with me? Can you can you just filibuster for yeah, a second? while I Yeah. Fortunately, find this? I was
0: Thanks. able to alt control delete and you know, shut down my internet and I brought it back up. So now I I can actually search as well. So I I see the rundown. So we're making progress here in twenty twenty three. I'm trying to find the scores as well. Let's go okay. I'm gonna try to predict the total. Uh are you gonna go off in ESPN? ESPN's total?
1: Yeah, we always go off. ESPN is a is a pretty decent aggregator, so yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna guess the total is 34 and a half all right got the the jeopardy music
1: playing right now or whatever it is The yeah it's jeopardy right What do we got here oklahoma state yeah yeah do, 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 do. having a little bit of an on on air production meeting Do you have a guess i don't I, I see i'm bad at this stuff like my my guess was going to be uh like 37 and a half or something like that and i got it right here in front of me oh my goodness what's your guess lee did you already say something
0: I said it. I, I'm looking at it right now. I was too low. 36. How about that? 30, I, I bet this is the lowest total of the week. I mean, I... Man, yeah, you I, look down. Like, you look right below it. Sam Houston in Houston is 38.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I guess, yeah, that kind of makes it... Oh, man. That means, yeah, like, I Houston was absolutely just... A dumpster fire on offense against TCU. I I didn't. While I was watching that game live, I, I didn't realize how ugly Houston's numbers were. Like, oh god. And so there. I mean, there might be even. I I'd, I'd maybe even throw BYU in that. I mean, there might be like a a group of like four teams in the Big Twelve near the bottom who are just just awful on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I'm. I'm we already know it's. This is not going to improve much. We already know that Oklahoma State and Iowa State are terrible offensively. And they, they probably will be the rest of the season.
0: Are they auditioning for the Big Ten, you think? <laughs> uh, I don't mean, I, I kind uh, of feel like your, your opinions on the Big Ten are pretty
1: outdated. They're about 15 years old. Urban I Meyer so. changed that conference, big, dude.
0: No, I think the Big Ten still is very top-heavy, and they got a lot of just pretty average to generic to bad teams and making make up the middle of it. Uh, and but people like to pump their fists and put out their chests about the Big Ten. Eh. I don't know. By the way, uh, 36, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, that is the lowest total of the week in college football. Oof. No oof, surprise. But also,
1: I'm kind of interested in that game. I'll probably bet that game. And not probably, I'm certainly going to bet that game. <laughs> um, Moving on, you already just mentioned this, Lee. Uh, Houston is a 12-point favorite at home against Sam Houston. Uh, that's... I I think Houston's bad. They lost to food. They got blown out by TCU. <laughs> um, I, Houston's clearly a bad team. I, they're 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 fighting it out, duking it out with Oklahoma State and Iowa State to be the worst team in the conference. That uh, that seems to be one of the things that we can gather at this early uh, stage of the season. Lee, the last two games here in the Big Twelve in the docket are two very interesting games. Texas Longhorns, fifteen point favorites in Waco at Baylor that is the six thirty p.m. ABC primetime game can Baylor pull the upset Lee
0: can they yes will they probably not uh, I mean Wyoming went ahead and put Texas on kind of upset alert for three-ish quarters last week uh, at Texas so I mean the thing that's interesting obviously about this is the game being at Baylor and Baylor just took Utah you know to the brink a couple weeks ago in a game that Baylor should have won. I mean, Baylor should have won that football game. But the problem is Baylor, they're not – I mean, they stepped it up after the Texas State debacle, uh, which, you know, as the week went on and I, I think on our show, uh, we were on the wrong side, or I was, but as I thought more about it, I thought, ah, oh, Baylor's an obvious play here. And it wasn't – I mean, they they ended up covering just by a half point, but they still lost outright. Uh, they just play what uh, – who would they play? L, whoever – LIU so the FCS team now Texas Long Island Long Island I mean I I think I mean I would man it's tough I mean what a weird it's kind of a weird like honestly it, it probably should be Texas by like 17 so in a, way, in a way it's kind of probably a little bit of value on Texas um but it's a conference game open up conference play if i had to play it i'd i'd grab the points with Baylor i'm afraid though that at 15 it's probably the worst of the number. I bet it, maybe it was higher and got bet bet down. I don't know. I guess I don't know what the opening line was, but I, I would. I think it may have. I think it may have opened lower and people and people bet Texas. Hmm. I could double check it, but it's certainly an interesting matchup. Just because I mean Baylor's been a good team. Dave Ryan is a good coach, and it's in Waco. And again, what we saw Baylor almost do a couple weeks ago against a good Utah team.
1: Lee, hear me out here. There's, I'm, I'm about to paint just an absolutely beautiful picture for you. Suppose maybe this is correct. Suppose maybe Texas is just Texas, the same Texas that we've seen over the last 12, 13 seasons. And everybody just thought that Texas was back because they went in and they slayed the dragon of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And mind you, this is, you know, it's, we don't know enough about Alabama yet, I don't, I don't think. I mean, it's, but like wouldn't it just be hilarious if Alabama actually is like an 8 and 4, 7 and 5 type team and this is like the worst team that Saban's ever had at Alabama and Texas still is just kind of good enough to go in there and beat them and Texas is like basically just the same team as last year cuz if that's the case they're going to lose. I mean the that's
0: Baylor. the best case scenario. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like where are you
1: going with this? How 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 absolute how absolutely i mean that'd be even better that's worth it if you would have told me that's what i was like yes give them the win in tuscaloosa man that's that's delicious so delicious that's what i'm hoping i'm crossing my fingers it's what i want to happen i think that's what everybody wants to happen but if everyone thinks i mean that's that's even better them getting that win in tuscaloosa them thinking that yes we have finally arrived only for the rug to be pulled again, and we find out, like, find out just randomly that Bama's not any good. Like, they can't really block anybody on the offensive line.
0: It's, I don't know. That'd be, yeah, it'd be great. Be pretty sweet. That'd be, be a hell of a curveball. Be a great curveball. We'll say. I think, uh I think Saban's first or second year. I think they they weren't that good. So I I don't like an eight or nine win team. They would went, not be the worst. They went
1: six and six. They went six and six his first year there. But I remember in the off season I was looking like. I think five of their six losses were by, like, less than a touchdown. And they were all to, like, really good teams. Except for they lost to Louisiana Monroe. But other than that, oh, yeah. they, they just, like, they lost to, like, re- a really good Auburn team. Like, a like really good LSU team. It was, it was, like, stuff like that. I don't know. Um, but I, I just, I think, we didn't really talk about that Alabama game at all. I didn't watch a ton of it. But it's hard to ignore just, like, you just go look at their, I mean, they were, atrocious on offense in that game against usf i don't care if it was in a rainstorm
0: that doesn't shouldn't matter i mean seeing alabama with only 17 points at the end of a game is is weird uh and you know not playing against like clemson and like the national title or i mean i know when they when clemson and trevor lawrence beat the doors off them i think they still scored like 21 or 24 or something like that in that game so very bizarre by the way that and it's also just I mean, it should... I I think it should give a lot of Alabama
1: fans a lot of pause, too. Maybe even concern. What are they doing with Jalen Milrow and all that? And he's already been renamed the starter again. Oh, really? Okay. But, like, he wasn't even on the depth chart last week. And they rolled out Buckner and Ty Simpson. And they just... They both were terrible. I mean, just below average players. Just not good at all. And so it makes you like, what are they doing? Like, clearly... Clearly, you know, something about Milro panicked them in the offseason for them to go and get Buckner after the spring game. And there's still something that Saban is just uneasy about. And like and Milro had, you know, had some had some costly turnovers against Texas, a couple of bad ones. But like Milro is like definitely not Alabama's biggest problem in that game. Milrow is one is one of Alabama's best players. That was weird that and so I don't know, maybe something is just a little off in Tuscaloosa this week, which is which is good. That would be really good for college football. yes if, if 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 they had a mortal season
0: it'd be really good for the sport and to, to piggyback off that I mean it's been I think last year at this time I think we were all talking about how it's been a great year of college football and it was fun I mean may, maybe I'm misremembering but through three weeks I it's been a great three weeks of college football I mean it helps that OU's three and know and looking really good but just in general, I mean, obviously you got the Colorado story with Dion. That's taking up all the oxygen. But uh, just some of the scores from last week: the fact that Alabama? Question mark? Like Georgia getting kind of pushed a little bit by South Carolina and Spencer Rattler. Like there, there's a lot of interesting storylines. And you're right. Like if these powers, like Alabama specifically, you know, Florida State almost getting knocked off. Uh, you know, what's what is Texas? Like, but mainly though, if Bama is kind of wobbly you're right that it that is good for college football because it opens up avenues for other programs it makes for other storylines and alabama fans don't want to hear it they don't like that at all obviously um heck even like ohio state kind of looks a bit sketchy I mean, it's early uh but offensively they're kind of like eh, i don't know what they are but granted they'll probably figure it out with a new quarterback but yeah i mean it's been really interesting and fun and then it's led up to this weekend of games which is i guess we haven't even really made that clear yet i mean this is one of the greatest college football slates of you know, weekend Saturdays we've, we've gotten a long time it's loaded it's loaded,
1: and we'll, we'll get to it when we get to the official pick segment but yeah it's uh it, it's it's been great I mean it's been like last week week three was great was and and the slate was not very good at all but I feel like we 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 learned a lot in the sense that we still have a ton of question marks about the favorites which is always which, which I think is always where college football is at its best, for sure. There's definitely some some level of apathy that sets in when there's a team like last year, like Georgia was so very obviously the best team in the country last year, um, and honestly they were the year before that too. Them and Alabama were two the two clear best teams in the country, and so that does kind of make it a little less fun. Whereas now it's just it's it's way more open ended. Got the Pac-12. It's not even going to exist at this time next year, and they're looking like clearly the best conference right now. And I love that. That's great. It's a great storyline. So, uh one more game here, Lee, and it's actually I mean, probably the most interesting Big 12 game just stylistically and UCF on the road in Manhattan against Kansas State, four and a half point favorites Kansas State is. UCF is 3 and 0, kind of a shaky 3 and 0 in the sense that they had to hang on against Boise State a couple of weeks ago in a game they they didn't play particularly sharp in and then Kansas State coming off an absolute gut punch loss to Missouri. You know, I – the only there's, – there's only – I think there's only two fan bases that I think deserve to feel that grief and that hurt after, uh, after a game like that. And neither of those fan bases are Kansas
0: State, so I feel bad for them. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this. Did you see Kansas State's first touchdown last week against Missouri? I don't know if I did. It was one of the luckiest touchdowns you'll ever or see. Or if I did, I'm not, I'm not able to pull it. It was like a – it was just straight up lucky. Like it either should have been intercepted or like knocked down like near the goal line and the ball got flipped up and a K-State receiver behind everybody made the, made the catch. It was like the luckiest touchdown ever. I think maybe the – like it was either a, a good omen for K-State, which ended up not being a good omen because maybe they used up all of their luck – on that one play because then it came back at him when a 61-yard field goal went through to to lose them the game uh that's just oh i can't even imagine losing on a 61-yard field goal from a college kicker outside Ugh, like gross that being said like, i don't know it makes it even worse too i'm Pretty sure Drinkwitz
1: just like totally screwed up the situation stuff before oh, the 61 yeah. yarder too. Like it should have been. So I think been they shorter, had like a yeah. they had like a delay of game or something or. Yeah. So. I mean, ugh. how do you not but, grab? Yeah, heart goes out to the case. So how do you not fans.
0: grab K State? I mean, it's right in the Vegas zone. You know, Vegas is like, I don't know. They're like, yeah, we don't want to. I mean, if it's at three, everyone's hammering K State. If it's at seven, people are probably jumping on UCF. They're like, yeah, put it right in the middle and we'll see where the chips fall. I, I just don't... I mean, this is either K-State or pass.
1: I'm pretty sure John Plummy Or John Reese Plumley. I think he's hurt. I don't think he's playing in this game. I feel like that would change the line quite a bit, wouldn't it? You would think so, which is why I'm looking at it and I'm just like... I'm thinking, like, didn't I hear that? And so what's going on? What is going on? Um... Yeah, I'm not sure. I, like, I'm trying to Google it now, and I'm not seeing anything. So maybe was that something that like I just like did I have like a? Oh yeah,
0: UCF QB John Reis Plumley out few weeks with leg injury. Huh. Well, they must uh, have a pretty competent backup then, because why is this number not a touchdown? Uh, I mean, maybe he maybe he was injured early in their last game, and their backup looked pretty good. Shows what we know.
1: Oh uh, yeah, he he was injured against Boise. Okay. He didn't play last week against Villanova. Jay Wright's not walking through that door. UCF, Villanova. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Lee, let's move on to the national pick segment. Uh, we both went three and two last week. I had you at
0: four and one. Did I just i did I missed one on there. Yeah, you gave me credit for, for one of them that I didn't get. Uh, I don't know which one because I, I missed um, I missed we we both missed Minnesota. And then... Uh, I thought that was the only one no, you missed. No, I, I had Illinois. Uh, after, oh, after we recorded yeah, yeah, and yeah, I thought right. more about it and I had season-long pit games, I, I was on Penn State. I changed my mind. But on the podcast, I was on Illinois. So, uh, sorry if you took that. But, uh, so yeah, I was 3-2. and two. So were you. All right. Well, you are
1: 8-7 and seven so far through the first three weeks of the season. I'm 7-8. and eight. Uh, We're both kind of right around where... You usually sit if you bet a lot. So there you are. Um, Like you said, a really, really, really good slate of games. We can only pick five here. At 11 a.m., Lee, this is, gosh, this is a banger of an 11 a.m. game. (laughs) Number four, Florida State travels to Death Valley to play Clemson. Florida State is a -a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Lee is Clemson on their deathbed as a national power, and is Florida State about to just completely take away all of their mojo?
0: I think so, yeah. Uh, Total look-ahead spot for Florida State last week. I should have seen it, should have known it. Um, I was on them against Boston College. Boston College had, like, some sort of – they were honoring somebody as well last week. Like, I was watching that game, and I thought, man, this was such a dumb pick to go with Florida State. Granted, they were up by 21 with plenty of time left and looked like they could have easily covered, and then Boston College went ahead and scored 19 straight. Now, you you know, close close win. Uh, Granted, you are going to Clemson, so that's back to back road games. Makes me kind of think. Kind of makes me like think. Oh, maybe maybe the under is the play here for this one because I I don't know if they'll be able to score a whole lot. I think Clemson's defense is still good. By the way, why not grab the uh, the under in the Baylor Texas game? It was like fifty one and a half. Eh, Maybe something to think about. Uh, So, I don't like betting the under. I know betting the not betting the totals kind of. Forget what I said. Uh, but under a field goal uh, after a close win on the road, Florida State. Now it's like more close, you know, closer to home, nicer climate. Got a kind of wake up call last week. I, I I would I would lean, and I guess I'll I'll take Florida State because we got to take somebody. Minus
1: two and a half. Uh. Oh man, that's. Yeah, I'm also going to take Florida State here as well. I. I'd feel a lot better if Clemson just just they just don't have any punch on offense. And I think that's kind of like that's what you need to like spring like sort of surprise wins like that. And I mean, it's not a surprise win there. I mean, they're less than a field goal underdog here. But I don't know. Maybe I'm putting a little too much on a Florida State team that really struggled with a with what we all think is a bad Boston College
0: team. Boston College quarterback looked pretty good. But actually at times he was mobile. He okay. could move like Club Nick's not really that. I mean, Club Nick's, kind of you know and maybe it's the the offense heck i mean uh dj ugalele i think he's at oregon state i think oregon state's offense is really good i haven't seen them play at all but i've heard things are going well for him so yeah. i don't think i don't think we i don't think he was very good
1: last week against san diego state but yeah they've they've been oregon state's been sharp yeah they have a big game this week that i that didn't make the uh the pick segment but they're they're playing i think uh no, Utah plays UCLA. Oregon State plays someone else who is Playing ranked. Wazoo. I don't know who
0: it is. I can't remember. Wazoo. Oh, yeah. They're not ranked, but they're undefeated. Yeah. Though. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just it's, – Clemson's very weird. You know, maybe they're uh, – and honestly, I kind of hope that they're kind of going to start falling back down because it's just pretty annoying that they were able to have so much national success and, like, win some titles. Uh, basically using the same exact formula that Oklahoma should have been using all those years in the Big 12. Dominate a not so great conference and then figure it out against the elite teams and win some some national titles. And Oklahoma could never figure it out because
1: I'm going to do something that I, I I just had a I'm I'm changing I'm changing my pick to Clemson.
0: I want Clemson. Oh, did uh, Dabo just give you a call or send you shoot you a text?
1: No, I just I'm kind of I don't I don't want us to like overreact. I mean I think. It's easy to overreact to to Clemson losing to Duke. It's easy to overreact to SMU blowing out LSU. Easy to overreact to FSU almost losing to Boston College. The realness there is probably more in the middle for both teams. And if it's more in the middle, these teams are these teams are probably really even actually.
0: I mean, that's what the line I, I, like, says. I'm,
1: that's where I'm just I'm just yeah I'm just I'm just gonna go with the with the home dog. That that's what it is. That's the that I'm. It's like you saying that I'm I'm not ready to to label them dead yet. I'm really not, even though it's going to happen eventually because it's Clemson. They're just they're not
0: they don't have the 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 historical success to to stay around. So I mean the values on Clemson. I mean if you take into account where the line was, you know, in the summertime, you know, obviously Clemson would have been favored in this game. Now they're they're dogs. I just I think Florida State's a really good football team. I think they. They were able to handle. I mean, granted, it was game one, but they took care of business against a, a really good LSU team. I think LSU's going to be good, uh, and I mean, I think it's a look ahead. And LSU's been LSU's been great in the two
1: weeks after that. Four state. I mean they they destroyed Mississippi State on the road. I, I think Mississippi State's bad.
0: They, yeah, they might be bad. I think they're really bad. But uh, I just I think it was a classic look ahead spot for Florida State last week. They got out of there with the win, and I it's. I think their defense will be pretty focused, and I'm not a big believer in that Clemson offense, and I think they'll be able to figure out a way to get out of there with a win. What's next?
1: Lee, I tease this in the Big 12 section, but SMU travels to Fort Worth to play Woo. TCU. TCU is a six-and-a-half-point favorite here, Lee. Um, I, I think this is a really interesting game because we are going to learn a whole hell of a lot about SMU, and I think... A whole lot about
0: Oklahoma as well. First of all, that's, that's a heck of a road trip for SMU. Number one, boy. I mean, that's going to, the jet lag. Hellacious. It's, <laughs> Can you believe that?
1: <laughs> Can you believe that they would put kids through that? They have, they have studies that they have. How many of them probably have tests that they're going to miss <laughs> and stuff like that. So we need to rethink this whole college. It's, athlete thing. It's
0: pretty egregious, but at least we'll be entertained. that's all that matters. Uh, great call. Yeah. It's, we're going to learn a lot about both teams. Um, interesting line tcu six and a half um, that kind of tells me that uh, that the line tells me to take tcu because there's been kind of some like as eh, maybe tcu not that good like if tcu wasn't that good this this line would be a little bit shorter here i know they're at home and they're not getting a full touchdown but that number tells me to take tcu so i'll grab the Horn frogs
1: uh I'm gonna go in the opposite direction here just to to keep that going. Um I man, I and I it's it is really easy. Like I mean, we just went over this with Florida State and Clemson. Man, what if what, what if Colorado is not any good? You know, and like I mean TCU lost to that team and and I mean TCU did really like comfortably handle
0: Houston last week. So well, but I, I think this is more I, I I like SMU. I think SMU's defense is good. Colorado is good because they have one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and they got some good skill players, and they have one of the best players in the game when he's not injured. By the way, conspiracy theory, uh, I say Travis Hunter's not going to be out for three weeks. I think he's going to maybe miss this week, but I think he'll be back for USC. Boom, calling it. They want to they make it seem like he won't play, but uh, nope, he'll figure out a way to be able to be back there for at least USC so he doesn't miss these two big games. That's my... Uh, Lacerated liver, though, man. Oh, out it it is that what It's like... So, okay, well, so... Yeah, it kind of sounds like... So, I, I guess, like, spleen, sounds like you know. so it's liver. That's even... That's, yeah. All right, never mind. Yeah, what, you're gonna... I don't know, man. I feel
1: like, yeah, he's gonna be kind of in the DL for a while with, uh, you know, internal bleeding. Uh, okay.
0: Never mind. I didn't see what the injury was. I probably should have looked that up before I made that super hot conspiracy theory take. But, yeah, interesting matchup. Anyway, speaking of...
1: Speaking of oh, Colorado... Yes. <laughs> We go to the next pick in our segment, Lee. The 19th-ranked Colorado Buffalo is a team that struggled with one of the worst teams in the FBS last week. Colorado State needed kind of a miracle to come back and beat them in the fourth quarter. They travel to Eugene, Oregon, to play your Oregon Ducks, Bo Nix, and the Oregon Ducks. Lee, Oregon is a three-touchdown favorite in this game. They're minus 21. I'm going to start on this one. I, I well, Actually... I, I'm gonna take Colorado, um, just because. What, I'm, I've been wrong on them on basically every pick so far, so I'm gonna go against my gut. Um, what I know about betting, this line screams take Oregon in my in my mind.
0: Too many points, baby. Give me the Buffs. Give me Colorado all day long. They got a scare last week. I get that Travis Hunter's out. They still have a really good quarterback, and that's too many points. It was. It was 15, now it's up to 21. Is Travis Hunter worth a, almost a touchdown? Maybe, maybe, um, but give me Colorado plus a 21.
1: Yeah, it's, it's more of just a, uh, I, I just think it's too many points. I, I think Oregon's going to win by multiple scores, but I, I, yeah, I think Shadur Sanders is like really good. I think he's like outstanding. Um, I, I actually, I really like watching him play. Me too. Yeah, he's, 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 fun. Fun to watch. he's fun to watch. You can do, you can do it um, all. He's smooth. He's smooth. Yeah. And there's, uh, and so yeah, I was, I was actually, I was talking about this with my buddies just the other day that in college football, if you have a good quarterback and a couple of good receivers, you are automatically good. Your team is automatically good. And so there you go. That That's <laughs> Colorado. You <laughs> and you know, I'm Oregon is still. Oregon's... We, we still don't know much about Oregon. I, I still think Oregon's still my pick to win the Pac-12. But, uh, I don't know, man. It's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. Like, Oregon could still play really well
0: in this game and look impressive and win by 18. You know? Yeah. And I think you're right. I think the number does kind of say probably should take Oregon here. Um, but... Because Vegas is telling us that they think Oregon's a lot better yeah. than Colorado. Which...
1: And that's, but yeah, we're still at the point. Vegas is still going off of their their models and their everything. And and yeah, like SP Plus has Oregon as a as a three plus touchdown favorite in this
0: game. And a lot of the models. And do. let's be fair. I mean, they, the the oddsmakers have no idea what to do with Colorado. They've been way off on them for the first three games. I mean, they had them as three touchdown dogs. They went outright. They had them as uh, you know flipped like a, like a field goal favorite at home. They win by four touchdowns three and a half touchdowns over nebraska they have them as three touchdown favorites against colorado state they eke out a win so i i think the odds makers are still trying to figure out this team they're, it's a roller coaster ride so uh i'll again it's it's mainly a it's a handicap of that's a lot of points to take with the whole vibe around the team granted they're kind of cruising for a bruising at some point they almost got one against colorado state um just kind of with their antics and it's kind of like all right like come on guys like you're at some point this is going to go down to earth it hadn't yet and with that good of a quarterback i'll 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 grab those points thank you yes gosh man sp plus has oregon as 28
1: and a half point favorites in that game all line baby all right uh here we go This is another big time matchup here 15th ranked Running Rebs of Ole Miss traveled to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. Now 13th ranked. The first time Alabama has been outside of the top 10 in eight seasons, Lee. In a season that they won the national championship. LOL. Um, I don't think Alabama's going to win the national championship this year. But they are six and a half point favorites against Ole Miss at home. Um, man. I, I'm already seeing. You're already typing in Alabama there. You're just easy. Yeah. Milrow has been announced as the quarterback. Um Screw this, man! I'm gonna speak it into existence. I want Ole Miss. I want Ole Miss straight up. I want I want Alabama to have. Frankly, I want Alabama to have an OU 2022 type season because it's (laughs) it's time. It's time. You need to you need to be brought down a little bit.
0: Take your medicine. What about like a 2014 type season? That's probably a little more realistic, right? Like eight and four.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. But like, also, I'm. It's still hard for me to like. I still like. It's so hard for me to to perceive like Alabama even just like being as bad as they looked against USF. They've had back to back number one recruiting classes.
0: Got to figure out the quarterback, man. You got to figure it out. Uh, I'll go Bama. I no way not going to buy into their demise just yet. And you're giving me Bama at home and less than a touchdown against, I mean, Ole Miss is good, but yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take Bama all day long after a very weird win on the road last week. So, I think historically this is probably a great spot for Alabama, and so I'll just kind of buy in on that for now. But hey, would certainly like to be wrong. I mean, yeah, Alabama losing another game would be yeah, give it to me, and then have Georgia lose, and then have all those other have some Big Ten teams lose. Let's let's make this really fun. Have Ohio State lose and and Penn State and all these guys. Yeah, Michigan. That should be
1: great. Give me, give me a 2007 type season, except I just want OU to be impervious to all yes. of it, because we deserve it. We deserve it. <laughs> anyway, we move on to what is the game of the day, and I think a game that is going to signal if if this is going to be a crazy college football season, then I, there's 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 one of these teams is going to have to win here. Lead number six, Ohio State. They are three point favorites at number nine, Notre Dame. A very nice matchup, number six versus number nine. <laughs> What do you? How, how do you feel about Ohio State and Notre Dame? Fun. Fun stuff. Um, it's in South Bend. It's in South Bend. Touchdown Jesus. A night game on 4K and NBC. It's going to be pretty. It's going to be a game, game that everyone's going to want to watch.
0: Notre Dame has not played a soul yet. I don't think Ohio State has either. Uh, Indiana is, I guess... A Big Ten team, so they played a conference. Oh, this is this is going to be. I let me let me check out where this number opened. Oh boy, yeah. This I don't don't know when this was. I'm seeing it opened at uh, Ohio State seven and a half. Now I don't know if that was in the summer or like when they took this, but uh, boy, it's been uh, not surprisingly that's changed a lot. That had to have been before the season began. I don't there's no way that it opened that's has to be has to be they
1: have like SP plus as Ohio State as less than a point favorite in this game yeah
0: this is super square but I'll take Notre Dame the home favorite the dog even though this it's probably telling you to grab Ohio State but I don't I don't think Vegas knows what to do with this line either so I'll take the home dog with a with a good quarterback
1: I, I will take Ohio I'm gonna take Ohio State um, but that's I mean Notre Dame wins this game. I think we I think we're on. We we got we got a fun college football season if Notre Dame wins this game. I think
0: trying to see if I can figure out the history of the line. Nah, it's not the not the great. Uh. All I have is from the last couple of days. It's it's moved. Uh, it was three and a half. So money money has come in on Notre Dame. Not surprisingly, would have loved to get it at three and a half and not three. I am. Um, I haven't
1: seen a lot of Ohio State this year, but I, I, I watched a decent chunk of that Indiana game in Week One. Man, Kyle McCord looks kind of uncoordinated. I know, I know, he's not. He's a he's a Division One quarterback. Kyle he's probably Mc- an amazing athlete. but like, there's just something <laughs> off about him. Uh, something off about him. Where it was like it, that was never the case with C.J. Stroud. It's like he was always really smooth, and the ball always exploded out of his hands. But In college, until that Georgia game, he would always just kind of shrink when they absolutely needed him the most. Kyle McCord just, maybe it's just it's just that talent drop off, but the drop off from from C.J. Stroud to Kyle McCord is very clear to my eyes. Yeah, it
0: shows you how good of a slate of college games there are this week. Whenever, like the Big Twelve slate, like you know we're not we're not picking BYU and Kansas, which is kind of interesting. We're not picking. Texas and Baylor which is a big number but it's pretty interesting we're not picking UCF and K State which would definitely be in there if it was probably a normal week at K State four and a half Uh, it shows you I mean even Texas Tech West Virginia maybe if we were desperate a lot of good games this week a lot of good numbers and fun 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 all around I'll recap it so Florida State on the road, laying two and a half at Clemson. I am on the Seminoles. Grant is on Clemson, the home team, catching two and a half. SMU at TCU. TCU is laying six and a half. I am on the Horn Frogs, the home favorite. Grant is on the road dog. We are both on Colorado, catching 21 at Oregon. I'm on Alabama, minus six and a half at home against Ole Miss. Grant's on the other side. He's, he's taking the points. And finally, another crossfire. I'm on Notre Dame plus the three. Grant is on Ohio State minus the three on the road. So uh, we'll have very different records this week for sure. Good stuff. Wow, this is probably our longest podcast in a while. We had a lot to talk about. Good stuff. So,
1: yeah, I mean, college football has been very interesting so far this year. And we have a – and I feel like we even undersold it when we were talking about the OU game – I mean, OU going to Cincinnati to play a Big 12 conference game is utterly fascinating. And um, it's something that I'm really excited about. So I, you know, we said you and I, we used to live in Cincinnati. This is the first time both of us have gone back since that we have lived there. So it's kind of a homecoming for us of sorts. Uh, Really, really excited to to be in Cincinnati this week and uh, or this weekend, see other OU fans there. And uh, hopefully it's hopefully nippert stadium is fun but not too much fun i hope ou comes
0: in and completely sucks all the oxygen out of the building that would be absolutely wonderful that'd be a great start to what could be an incredible college football saturday gotta help to remind me our mother wants us to take a lot of pictures of cincinnati (laughs) (laughs) i can do that i can take some pictures i'll do that i i'm gonna
1: i'm definitely gonna make an effort to take a lot of pictures especially around campus and the stadium and whatnot i want to want to remember that stuff that's always fun so i mean i mean i'm I'm also going to be like one of those guys i'm gonna be taking so many pictures of my skyline chili it's gonna be insane
0: <laughs> man what's uh what's the over under on uh will elite in the next four or five days we putting it at no i mean
1: probably not a lot like i'm one of those like i don't really want to like I'm, just, I mean, I'm just gonna have a meal while I go. I'm like, I'm not gonna get like multiple meals while I'm there. Like, I'm pretty sure they have like little combos where you just get like a single coney, and you can also get like a, like a mini three way or something like that. But yeah, I, I yeah, I really, really encourage any OU fan that's going there who's never had it. Go, go try Skyline Chili. Go in with low expectations. I'm not gonna be this guy who is just like, it'll change your life. It's amazing. It's one of the most delicious things I've ever had. Go in but. hungry. It's too. so good. But go also. Hungry. But also, there's tons of people who think it's sludge and awful. Those people are wrong, and they have bad taste. But it's just—I I compared it to. Um, this is this is definitely an apples to oranges comparison, but it's more of like a conceptual thing. Um, you know how cane sauce is just is a weird flavor. It's just a really weird flavor. But like for whatever reason, it just works, and you're just like, wow, that's—I don't know what that is, but like I need to taste it again. That is what Cincinnati chili is like. It doesn't taste like cane sauce, but it tastes unique. It's different. If you're going in like, expecting like, southwestern chili, and I think maybe that's why a lot of OU fans or people in this area who are just kind of like, oh, that's not chili, that's fine. Don't think of it as chili. It's more of a sauce. Yeah. No, 100%. So it's like, but like the people who are just like, oh, this isn't real chili and stuff like that, don't, don't get too hung up on that. That's, that's lame. It's, it's good food. Go try Here's good food thing,
0: like I, in different parts of the country. I'm, I guess I'm, compared to a lot of people, I'm a picky eater, but I'm, I'm way less picky than I used to be. I, I'll eat a lot more things than I used to be. Um, but I, I love Skyline. I, mean, I didn't used to like it when I was a kid. My taste buds changed. And I don't like spaghetti at all. I, like, what's the point? Just, this is just noodles and sauce. Like, if we're going to go this route, give me a pizza. Give me, give me some fettuccine alfredo. Like, I don't need marinara sauce. But with Skyline, it's, there's, they, they call it a three-way. And it's literally spaghetti with the chili sauce and then a bunch of cheese. And for whatever reason, it works, and I love it. Like, it's basically spaghetti with a bunch of cheese, and it's way better than normal spaghetti to me. But granted, I'm somebody that doesn't like spaghetti, so take that for what it's worth. And then if you like Coney dogs, Think of it more. Yeah, I would say, yeah, like the, it,
1: on a Coney dog, it's, it's probably like... For the most – it's, like, it's for the most palates probably. But, I like, I'm glad, like, I'm glad that, you know, we got the spaghetti in there and everything because the best way to think of Cincinnati chili is as more of, like, a, a unique spin on, on a meat sauce, essentially. It's not – like, to call it chili is not really right because, as, as Americans know chili, it's not chili. It's a – it is a meat sauce that goes on spaghetti. That's, that's what it is. Or, or hot dogs. And it's
0: just – just really wonderful it's good and i i can't wait to have it uh i would imagine that'll be maybe our first stop tomorrow a little lunch
1: oh yeah i mean i'm already yes i'm counting on it
0: all right well that'll conclude our skyline chili segment of the podcast uh all right everyone enjoy the game on saturday uh safe travels to anyone that's going to make the trip to cincinnati hopefully you all enjoy it uh, and hopefully it's an enjoyable weekend grant make sure to bring your podcast gear so you can get a podcast recorded at some point uh, so we don't have to wait until monday or tuesday to leave all of the listeners hanging all right until next time for grant i am lee this is west of everest if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe to the show and if you want to help us spread the word please leave us a five-star review and also tell all of your friends who are ou fans about west of everest You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.